Welcome to This Week in Astrology, the special Robin Williams Memorial Edition. This is episode number 377 for the week of August 18th, 2014. This Week in Astrology is the free podcast that deepens your astrological wisdom. We always start with the coming week's astrological forecast and regularly feature listener emails, recorded listener consultations, and interviews with other astrologers. Make This Week in Astrology a regular part of your astrological education. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Benjamin Bernstein, broadcasting from the virtual location of thisweekinastrology.com and the physical location of Asheville, North Carolina. Very special show for you this week. Uh, we're going to eulogize Robin Williams for nearly an hour. We're going to go deep into his chart, and not just his natal chart, his ninth harmonic chart, the first time I have used that on this podcast, and you'll see how effective it is. So we're going to get into Robin Williams, but as always, we're going to start with the forecast for the next seven days, a uh, preview of the following week, a few announcements, including my special, which ends on Monday, 30% off all sessions with me. If prepaid by Monday, you can take them till the end of 2015 in celebration of the fact that I was recently voted best astrologer in Western North Carolina. So that's enough preamble. Let's get into this week's forecast. The week of August 18th begins auspiciously with the conjunction of the two classic benefics, Jupiter and Venus. Beyond that, it's a busy hodgepodge that includes the sun entering Virgo and the perfecting of a multi-year Uranus-Chiron semi-sextile. Communicate mindfully as Mercury makes dynamic aspects to most of the outer planets and get ready to capitalize on numerous opportunities presented by five aspect patterns. So let's get into our old for a second to see what's there and then we'll get into our individual days what's old we've got a waning moon we do have one aspect pattern still in play a kite including juno Ceres, vesta neptune and pluto it'll be with us through september 4th and we have three planets retrograde pluto neptune and chiron so now let's go day by day and find out the best use of these astrological energies on Monday, August 18th, we open with Venus conjunct Jupiter, which I headlined for you. They're both around 7 degrees Leo. One of astrology's luckiest pairings, a Venus-Jupiter conjunction, provides an auspicious opening to the week. In old-style astrology, Venus is the lesser benefic, while Jupiter is the greater benefic. A benefic brings good fortune. With Venus and Leo, this aspect can support sharing your creativity with the public. It can also amplify the state of your key relationships. This focuses a magnifying glass to whatever's happening so that you can remedy whatever is not working and cultivate more of what's good. And a quick uh, note here, uh, I do have construction happening on the house across the street, so if you hear an occasional construction sound, I apologize that that is beyond my control. We've got a lot else going here on Monday, August 18. We have Mercury quintile Saturn, Mercury 5 Virgo, Saturn at 17 Scorpio, Editing and analysis receive steady, inspired support with this aspect. Next up, Jupiter square Vesta. Jupiter, 7 Leo. Vesta, 7 Scorpio. Service to a higher cause receives significant amplification with Jupiter square Vesta. Just don't go overboard and forget about your own needs. Next up, Mercury opposing Neptune. Mercury, 6 Virgo. Neptune, 6 Pisces. 
the opposition of Virgo and Mercury to Neptune can lead to muddled thinking. I think it does anyway. Ha, ha, ha. But it can also open up a flow of intuitive guidance. You may even be inspired to increase your service to others, which can fill you with greater joy than fulfilling any selfish desire. I speak from experience on that. I'm in a state now where uh, assisting others actually is more fun for me than anything I do just for myself. Actually, I do it for myself because it gives me so much pleasure. Selfish, or rather selfish and selfless have sort of become the same thing. And then um, I mentioned an aspect pattern on the intro, that kite that started on August 6th, peaks today, and wraps up on September 4th. This flowing aspect pattern includes Juno, Ceres, Vesta, Neptune, and Pluto. After so much happening on Monday, we need a little bit of a breather on Tuesday, and all we have is a single lunar event, a void moon, beginning at 10.54 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. The trick with void moons is to try to avoid starting major new projects or making major purchases until that moon's comfortably into its next sign. On Wednesday, August 20th, that void moon resolves itself with the moon entering Cancer at 4.45 a.m. And the moon in Cancer is in its home sign. It's a great energy for nurturing, healing, family, and domesticity and security. Next up here on Wednesday, August 20th, Neptune trine Juno. Neptune, 6 Pisces, Juno, 6 Cancer. Deeper soul connection is available in your committed partnerships with Neptune trine Juno. This is also an excellent energy under which to do law of attraction work together. That's called a mastermind, since Neptune represents visualization and imagination. Next up, the Moon and Juno come together. That's happening around 5.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And Juno is the planet of domesticity, and she is, of course, the queen of the gods, and thus she has a regal quality as well. And she also rules the three stages of womanhood, the maiden and the uh, wife and the crone. Maybe wife isn't the correct middle term, the mother, perhaps. I forget the technical terms, but you get the idea. Um, so all those things, and of course, sexuality is a part, and fertility are significant Juno aspects as well. So perhaps a few hours either side of 5.30 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, you might see some of those themes coming into play. Finally, here on Wednesday, we have a Yod beginning. This one has Pallas Athena and Jupiter and Neptune in it. A five-day window of opportunity opens for creative expression today. All three planets in this Yod, nicknamed a Finger of God, embody creative juju. Pallas Athena, representing feminine assertiveness and strategic planning, is in artistic Libra. Expansive and lucky Jupiter is in spotlight-loving Leo. And these two planets point to Piscean Neptune, where both the sign and the planet represent inspired creativity. Hook up with your muse and get busy. Thursday, August 21st, we open with Venus, Quincunx, Pluto. Venus, 11 Leo. Pluto, 11 Capricorn. Don't let this quincunx between Leonine Venus and Pluto devolve into dish-smashing and relationship strife. If you adjust your thinking, this aspect can support positive relationship transformation, as well as empowered and uninhibited creative expression. Next, Mercury trine Pluto. Mercury, 11 Virgo. Pluto, 11 Capricorn. 
Mental transformation and deep probing research are smoothly supported by this trine. Then we got a void moon kicking in at 3.35 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. That's going to go overnight. And our final event of Thursday, the 21st of August, is a T-square, Juno, Pallas Athena, and Pluto. Does your feminine aspect show itself more like a meek housewife or a take-no-prisoner's samurai? You can make any needed adjustments to this balance during the 21-day T-square between Yin Juno, Yang Pallas Athena, and Pluto. This aspect pattern starts today, peaks on August 31st, and ends on September 14th. On Friday, August 22nd, the moon enters Leo, ending the void that started yesterday. The moon kicks into Leo at 4.50, that's 4.50 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. The Pallas Athena Jupiter Neptune Yod, again, that's a Yod with three planets Pallas Athena, Jupiter, and Neptune. It started on Wednesday, peaks today, wraps up on August 25th. I've already told you about that. And then we have another Yod beginning uh, with Mercury, Mars, Saturn, and Uranus. Another Yod with a completely different planetary lineup than the other one starts today. Peaks on August 24th and ends on August 25th. So that's a four-day event. Here's one way to use it. Strategically implemented service to others, Virgo and Mercury. Executed with Energizer Bunny persistence, Mars-Saturn conjunction in Scorpio. Leads to new personal breakthroughs, Arian Uranus. So that's one way to use it. And by the way, um, if you want visuals, uh, I am now in my blog posts, including graphics. Every time I talk about an aspect pattern, I give you a picture of it. So if you want to go to astroshaman.com and in the sidebar on the right, I've got the astrology forecasts, the current one and the last few before it. You can always click into there and see the visuals if you wish. Uh, another way to get them is to uh, just subscribe to my RSS feed for my newsletter. Sign up for my uh, posts when I post things. And when I uh, put up a newsletter, you'll automatically get an email every day containing all of my recent blog posts, including forecasts. So a little side note for you there. And that's it for Friday, August 22nd. On Saturday, August 23rd, the sun enters Virgo. That's at 1240 6 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Um, this radiates supports for health, service, and tending to the little details that can make such a big difference. Then we have two aspects I'm going to talk about as a pair. We've got Mars Quincunx Uranus and Mars Trine Chiron. Uh, in this situation, we've got Mars at 16 degrees Scorpio uh, under both aspects. Uranus is 16 Aries. Chiron is 16 Pisces. So a Scorpionic Mars does a double. Start with the Mars-Uranus quincunx. This can tend toward angry outbursts or impulsive behavior. But your mental focus can transform this fiery combo into inspired action guided by your intuitive flashes. Mars also trines Chiron, creating an easy-flowing opportunity for transformative healing and passionate mentoring. Next up, we've got a Moon-Jupiter conjunction around 9.45 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Several hours either side of this, you may feel more expansion, joy, hopefulness, enthusiasm. Maybe you'll get a, a peak of interest into spiritual practice or religion or meaning of life for foreign cultures. Jupiter holds all that into its meaning field. 
Then the moon is going to conjunct Venus. That's around 10 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And that's a wonderful time for relating with others, uh, being creative or appreciating the creativity of others, uh, doing things that are to your taste is another way to use Venus there. And then we've got a grand trine starting with Juno, Vesta, and Chiron. And it lasts a month. These planets connect smoothly to support the healing of sexuality, which is a theme common to Juno and Vesta. This grand trine also echoes a theme of the Juno, Pallas, Athena, Pluto T-square that started on August 21st, and that is finding balance between the assertive and receptive aspects of your feminine nature. This Juno, Vesta, Chiron grand trine peaks on September 8th and ends on September 21st. Sunday, August 24th, Uranus semi-sextile Chiron. Uranus, 16 Aries. Chiron is 16 Pisces. Uranus and Chiron are exactly semi-sextile today. However, they've been making this aspect energetically for years and will continue making it for years to come. These guys are really slow and they're traveling at about the same rate of speed. While the opportunity for breakthroughs in healing and understanding is especially strong today, you have plenty of time to enjoy enhanced wellness and wisdom. Because Uranus and Chiron are making a semi-sextile, that's 30 degrees, it's a minor hard angle associated with irritation, these breakthroughs may include some discomfort. Small price to pay for a breakthrough. Also today, we've got a void moon kicking in at 4.26 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. More on that resolution a little bit later. But we've got other things to talk about here on August 24th, Sunday. First up, we've got another double interpretation, Mercury opposing Chiron and quincunxing Uranus. In both cases, Mercury is at 16 Virgo, Chiron, 16 Pisces, Uranus, 16 Aries. And those of you who are astute will note, hey, that's that Chiron Uranus semi-sextile you were just talking about, and Mercury's stimulating it. That's right. <laughs> so, Virgo and Mercury opposes Chiron and quincunxes Uranus. Since these aspects occur within six minutes of each other, a composite interpretation seems appropriate. And those of you with strong Virgo, the Mercury-Chiron opposition is at 9.55 a.m. U.S. Eastern. The Mercury-Quincunx Uranus is at 10.01 a.m. So, Challenging possibilities include mental wounding that arrives out of the blue or the aggravation of mental instability. More harmonious manifestations include compassionate mentoring that leads to mental liberation and healing modalities that help you receive intuitive flashes more easily. And finally, here on Sunday, we have a Yod peaking. The Mercury, Mars, Saturn, Uranus Yod that started on August 22nd peaks today and ends tomorrow. And uh, those of you who are keeping up are noticing, hey, you didn't resolve that void moon. When does the moon go into its next sign? Well, that will be Monday, August 25th. The moon will enter Virgo at 5.33 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Good energy for healing and mentoring and catching the little details that can make such a big difference, as I said before. That ends these seven days. Looking ahead to next week, the week of August 25th, we had a lot going on this week, and guess what? We got a lot going on next week, too. Busy weeks back to back. We're going to have a new moon in Virgo, a Mars-Saturn conjunction. Awesome for Energizer Bunny endurance there. 
The sun's going to oppose Neptune. Fantastic spiritual and creative opportunity there. Venus is going to make four aspects, most of them hard, to Chiron, Uranus, Saturn, and Mars. Mercury is going to do double sextile to Mars and Saturn. Neptune will actually, let me phrase this, these next four in the sense that all four asteroid goddesses will be receiving aspects from either Neptune or Pluto. That's a rare thing. And we have, we had five aspect patterns this week. We have six next week. Actually, pardon me. There's seven, six new one peaking. So we're going to have a whole new array of energetic combinations in the sky And as always, I'm going to be here giving you ideas on how to make the best use of them. So tune in next week and catch all the astrological excitement. You can hear my weekly forecast every week on This Week in Astrology. But would you also like to get a free, concise version in writing? How about having it pop into your inbox every week? How about occasional bonus articles on astrology, healing, spiritual awakening, and more? That's what you'll get with Astro Shaman's free weekly email newsletter. To subscribe, go to astroshaman.com. You'll see the newsletter sign-up form near the top of the sidebar. And if you like to calculate your own astrology charts, why not use the world's leading Windows astrology software and get it for the lowest price available? Astroshaman is an authorized dealer for SolarFire Gold, which can also run on your Mac. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose SolarFire Software from the drop-down menu a free weekly forecast newsletter, and the best available price on Solar Fire Gold. Two great reasons to visit astroshaman.com right now. I have some brief announcements before we get into our celebrity profile for Robin Williams. Information on everything that follows is on the What's New section of the homepage of astroshaman.com. That's A-S-T-R-O-S-H-A-M-A-N.com. To celebrate being voted Best Astrologer in the 2014 Best of Western North Carolina Reader Survey, I'm offering 30% off all my Astro Shaman sessions, and that's only good through this Monday, August 18. But don't panic. You don't have to actually do the session by Monday. You just have to prepay it. So if you would like to work with me, you can prepay it by Monday and then take as late as the end of 2015. You got like 16 months to do this. There's no rush. Uh, you're welcome to take 30% off my regular rates. So if you want to do astrology or mixed modalities, uh, normally an hour is 180. It's going right now for 126. 90 minutes, normally 270, only 189. If you want to splurge and go for two hours instead of 360, you'll be paying, paying 252. If you want to do a shamanic healing session with me, normally that's a flat rate of 180. That list typically goes a couple of hours. That's just 126. And a one-hour awakening activation session as well. Normally 180, only 126 under this special. So basically you can either uh, just PayPal the money to me. Um, if you go to the homepage and look at the what's new, there's the you know announcement of the thing. And there's a link to the PayPal button. Or you can call me with your credit card. And that's at 828-338-9852. I'll run it through on my little square guy on my phone. And you'll be done and you'll be credited. So again, if you'd like to save 30% on anything I do uh, as a service, you're welcome to take advantage of that through this Monday to celebrate me being voted best astrologer in Western North Carolina. Something nice happens to me. I want to offer something nice to you. Uh, I've been announcing in recent shows my Soul Journeys events that were going to be happening this weekend. Both those got postponed. I don't know when they're going to happen, but I will let you know when they do. 
and also the uh, this workshop we were going to do in October called Get Your Cosmic Heart On, that's H-E-A-R-T, has also been postponed. Might happen in December. I'll let you know for sure when we've got that rescheduled too. Uh, I've noticed uh, a lot of things happening that are not going according to schedule. Perhaps you've been noticing too, things get set for a certain time and they get shifted around. I don't think it's just me. I think it's in the air right now. Um, a new announcement, uh, you want to look ahead, the first weekend of October, 3rd and 4th, I'm going to be doing reduced rate astrology, shamanic healing, and awakening activation by appointment at the Asheville Coptic Conference. they got a lot of great speakers that Saturday, all for free, and there will be service providers, including myself. That's about 30 minutes outside Asheville. Um, you go to the homepage, you'll see who to call to go ahead and do your appointment. Sometimes the service providers do fill up before the thing even starts. So if you do want to work with me here near Asheville at uh, significant savings beyond my usual rates, then jump on that now. As always, I'm doing my weekly YouTube video forecast with chart graphics. Every Tuesday night, my Shamanic Awakening Meetup is available to you either in person in Asheville, North Carolina, or by phone. Um, and that is all the announcements for this week. We'll dive into Robin Williams' chart right after this music break. Here come on, flat top, he come, grooving up slowly, he got, juju eyeball, he won, holy roller, he got hair down to his knee. Got to be a joker, he just do what he please. That was Robin Williams himself on lead vocal on that cover of Come Together by the Beatles. Uh, Bobby McFerrin on background, they duet on that track. So if you want to just search Come Together by Bobby McFerrin and Robin Williams, you will find it. Seemed like a nice musical intro to get into our Robin Williams astrological analysis. This week, I'm honored to be able to pay astrological tribute to Robin Williams. Unless you've been completely living under a rock, you know that he committed suicide a few days ago, and I wanted to pay a tribute to him astrologically. And uh, I'm also going to do this in a way I've never done it before. I am going to, of course, use his natal chart and his transits and such. But uh, for the first time on the show, I'm going to be using a ninth harmonic chart, and I'll explain more about that right now. Uh, the ninth harmonic chart is a standard uh, practice in Vedic astrology. They say the uh, the first harmonic chart or the natal chart we normally use is the exterior person that you see from the outside, but the ninth harmonic chart is more like the inner person, the soul part of them. And uh, I have done a bit of exploration with ninth harmonic charts uh, inspired by the book The Astrology Code that recently came out. 
by Michael Bergen. I looked at my ninth harmonic, uh, Kimberly's ninth harmonic chart, my partner. I looked at the ninth harmonic chart for Spirit Song, who many of you know from this show. She's made an occasional guest appearance, and it really seemed to hold water. So I figured, okay, let's do it on this one. And uh, since the uh, it seemed really appropriate to begin this publicly with Robin Williams, because he's a man of a million personalities, so it figures to contain him, we'd need at least two ways of looking at the chart, <laughs> first harmonic and ninth harmonic. So I will be referencing both charts repeatedly throughout this segment. If you'd like to look along at these charts with me as I go, you can go to thisweekinastrology.blogspot.com to this show, and you will see the uh, PDF link in the show notes. Uh, and when the, you get to the index, it'll say, you know, celebrity chart, Robin Williams, and Robin Williams' name will be underlined. If you click that link, it will open up for you a PDF containing many pages, uh, giving you all the uh, relevant prep work that I'm referencing here, including all the first harmonic and ninth harmonic charts, as well as my notes on the Wikipedia bio. So as always, I like to work from the Wikipedia bio, and uh, I'm only going to take bits and pieces from it, and uh, we'll see how we get to. So um, let me just start by giving the natal data I'm using, of course. Um, Robin Williams, born July 21, 1951, 1.34 p.m. in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, that gives me a first harmonic chart with Scorpio rising at 0 degrees 54 minutes and puts the moon in Pisces at 8 degrees 56 minutes. His, uh, his natal triad to complete the third piece of that is the sun in Cancer at 28 degrees 10 minutes, a very watery chart. So let's uh, start into the Wikipedia bio and see what looks interesting. Uh, he was an American actor, stand-up comedian, film producer, and screenwriter. So let's first see what support we have for Robin Williams being an actor. First harmonic chart, we do have the sun conjunct the midheaven. That certainly uh, gives one a tendency toward prominence. The sun is on the ninth house side, but it's within 10 degrees. That fits the orb. Uh, we've also got Pisces planets. Pisces is the sign that rules acting, and his moon is in Pisces. Uh, in fact, there's a triple conjunction in Pisces. Moon around 9 Pisces, the north node at 12 Pisces. The north node is like your destiny point, so his destiny uh, could easily be interpreted to be into acting. And then Ceres, uh, the asteroid goddess, is around 16 and a half Pisces, so plenty of Pisces energy to support the acting juice. And guess what? In the porphyry house system that I use, all these Pisces planets are in the fifth house. That's the Leo-flavored house, and Leo is the performer in the spotlight, right? I haven't even mentioned he's got a Leo midheaven. So going out into the world as the actor is completely supported by that Leo midheaven. Then there's a T-square in his chart that we're going to keep coming back to. Um, it has Neptune opposing Jupiter. Neptune's in Libra and Jupiter's in Aries. And they both square up to three points at the top, uh, all in Cancer. We have Uranus at 11, Mars at 12, and Vesta, the asteroid goddess, at 17. So again, Neptune, Jupiter, Uranus, Mars, Vesta, T-square. So how does this support actor? Well, Neptune is the planet traditionally associated with acting. It's fantasy and make-believe and imagination. Um, that totally fits. And Neptune's in Libra, which, of course, is the sign of the artist, uh, one of which can be an actor. 
Neptune also happens to be accidentally dignified in its own natural house, the 12th house. That's a little more acting juice as well. Jupiter indirectly supports acting, this other member of the T-square, because his fifth house in Porphyry has Pisces on the cusp. Jupiter is the ancient ruler of Pisces, and as I said, the fifth house is the house of the actor. And uh, and the top of the T-square isn't so much directly supportive of acting, but it totally communicates his style of acting. He's got this Mars-Uranus conjunction, right? And everyone knows Robin Williams does this rapid-fire improvisational patter. Improvisation and that kind of quick genius is Uranus. And the uh, the energy and excitement and drive of it is Mars. So that T-square is also very strongly supportive of acting. Um one way it does actually support more indirectly, Mars is his ancient chart ruler. Again, I said he had Scorpio rising. Mars is ancient ruler of Scorpio. This is one of those things that reconfirms for me it's good to use the ancient rulers, not just the modern ones, because Mars is so strongly impacted in his chart as the ancient ruler of Scorpio, his rising sign, that it uh, definitely shows a strong ruler of the chart influence here. So that's all that in acting influence I've already described from Neptune and Jupiter on the two corners of the T-square going out to the ancient chart ruler Mars by square. So what else uh, covers it? Uh, there's subtle things too. A quintile is a 72-degree aspect, one-fifth of the circle. That's kind of a magical fairy dust kind of connection. His Neptune quintiles his midheaven. How cool is that? The planet of the actor making that magical fairy dust connection to the midheaven. How beautifully does that describe him? And that's just the first harmonic chart. We've got a bunch of support in the ninth harmonic chart, too. So uh, the way I ran this ninth harmonic chart is I've, of course, got Solar Fire, which you hear me advertise every week on the show. I love it. And you just go to charts, harmonic chart, ninth harmonic chart, bang, there it is. Uh, technical note, the ninth harmonic chart is expressed as an equal house chart. So all the houses are exactly 30 degrees apart from each other. And remember, this is uh, a derived chart, and it is, uh, it's an expression of the inner self. It plays by different rules than the natal chart in a lot of ways. But uh, what is it about the ninth harmonic chart that supports acting? Well, in ninth harmonic, his son's in Pisces, the sign of the actor, and it's loosely conjunct Neptune, uh, also in Pisces. That's a very strong support. Um, in the ninth harmonic, Neptune trines the ascendant, an obvious connection. The ascendant is the mask or persona you wear. Neptune squares his midheaven in the ninth harmonic, another strong connection of Neptune acting to midheaven career. So that's the ninth harmonic support for actor. Let's go to the next word, which is stand-up comedian. And we'll just use that for comedian in general, shall we? Well, we think comedian, I mean, every sign has its own sense of humor, but the two... Uh, Signs that really get our attention as comedian signs are Sagittarius and Gemini, and their ruling planets Jupiter and Mercury. We're going to look at Jupiter and Mercury for, to support this. Uh, these have a little different flavor. Jupiter is more like the big, hearty belly laugh, um, more uh, situational humor, if you will. Um, Gemini is more mental, quick humor, which definitely is one of Robin Williams' strong suits. And it's more about wordplay and puns and uh, just that quick rapid-fire vibe that he was so well-known for. So let's see what we've got supporting that. Let's go to the first harmonic chart to start off. We have, uh, remember the T-square I just mentioned, Jupiter opposing Neptune. There's Jupiter, the planet of the belly laugh, opposing Neptune, the actor. That works. 
And Neptune, of course, will be the flow of inspiration, firing that humor up. Uh, Jupiter, uh, big laugh, square Mars. Uh, again, Mars is more of that rapid-fire energy. Uh, ne now, again, as I said, Mars and Uranus are very tightly conjunct. They're only about one, they're exactly one degree, three minutes apart in the first harmonic natal chart. And um, therefore, Jupiter is also squaring Mars, giving that uh, more intense fiery energy and squaring Uranus to give the brilliant wit that he is so well known for. Jupiter squaring Mars, the ancient chart ruler, puts it out into the public. Uh, Jupiter also trines Pluto. That's the modern ruler of Scorpio, the rising sign. So Jupiter actually aspects both chart rulers, uh, again, making that wit very public. Jupiter even makes minor aspects to the nodes of the moon. It makes a semi-sextile to the north node, a quincunx to the south. So we could even say that humor is part of his destiny path. Uh, I've mentioned the Leo Midheaven already. Uh, that's just prominence in any form. He's got Mercury, that quick-witted humor planet, uh, in Leo, wanting to be out in the spotlight in the 10th house. That's a pretty strong placement for a comedian or an actor. Mercury's also conjunct Pluto. Um, this gives a little bit of flavor to his work. Now, it didn't show much... It didn't show quite as much in his film roles, but in his stand-up, he was constantly making social commentary and commenting on the human condition as he saw it, and that's plutonic truth-telling. You know, let's just say it like it is kind of energy, even though it's going to be funny. So that's one level of Mercury-Pluto, but again, as Pluto as chart ruler, Scorpio rising, this is Mercury coming out very visibly to the Ascendant as well as the 10th house. Uh, and one other cool thing about Mercury in the first harmonic chart is um, classically unaspected. Uh, that means it literally has no aspects whatsoever, at least none of the aspects that I use, to anything through Saturn. Now, yeah, it's got a conjunction to Pluto and a trine to Chiron and a little square to Juno, but other than that, it's got no connections to anything. It's a free agent. And a planet that is unaspected can be kind of a rogue. It can do whatever it wants. And so the freedom to riff on whatever he wanted, no holds barred, is totally described by Mercury being a classically unaspected planet. So that is uh, first harmonic support for comedian. We also have ninth harmonic chart support. Uh, let's go back to Jupiter, the big belly laugh, just to run the list. Jupiter in the ninth harmonic is quintile Mercury, putting both humor planets together in a creative way. Um, Jupiter trines Venus. Venus is your creative expression. Jupiter is quintile Mars, giving it the energy. Jupiter is sextile Uranus. There's that rapid-fire ingenious wit again. And Jupiter is sextile the midheaven in the ninth harmonic. As far as Mercury in the ninth harmonic, it's conjunct Mars, conjunct the north node, and uh, sesquiquadrate the midheaven. So again, both humor planets very heavily aspected and powerfully supported in the ninth harmonic chart as well. The Wikipedia bio says that Williams described himself as a quiet child. <laughs> Not what we would think of, but he probably started that way. Uh, the first harmonic chart supports this by all the water and the low air. Uh, remember, his entire primal triad is in water. He's got Scorpio rising. His moon is Pisces. His sun is Cancer. Uh, sig additional significant points in water are Mars and Uranus in Cancer and the North Node in Pisces. And this is reflected in the uh, balance in his... Uh, elements in the natal chart first harmonic. Water has a score of 12 
air is one, earth is three, fire is seven. So water actually on the weighted scale stronger than all the others put together. Um, we all are familiar with his sensitivity, his warm heart, his emotionality is usually clearly on display in his roles. And um, that's a big factor for him. And that's what we see on the outside. But when we go to the ninth harmonic chart and we look at the elemental balance, we get a very different story. Um, here, the strongest element is air, um, eight points. Uh, water very close behind at seven. So we have air and water pretty equally balanced, the, the sharp wit and the deep emotionality. And then earth is five and fire is three. So I think, you know, if we take the premise that the ninth harmonic shows the inner person, uh, this elemental balance seems to be a little more reflective of the true Robin Williams. Additionally, um, when we look at the uh, balance in terms of the modalities, we see a similar message. Uh, strikingly, and it struck me as weird when I looked at the first harmonic uh, modal balance, mutability is the weakest of all three. Uh, cardinal fixed mutable are the modes. Cardinal means initiating, fixed means keeping it going, and mutable means adapting and weaving and bobbing and letting it go. You know, Robin Williams was nothing if not mutable. He could make all that stuff up on the fly. So to see low mutability compared to the other two in his uh, elemental balance in the first harmonic seemed really weird to me. But the ninth harmonic comes to the rescue. <laughs> in the ninth harmonic chart, mutability is his strongest modality, a score of 12. Cardinal is right behind it at 10, and fixed is 1, you know, way back in the pack. So his well-known mutability, you know, his core inner nature is shown pretty clearly in the ninth harmonic chart. Wikipedia notes that Williams had no trouble quickly mastering dialects. Uh, both charts support this. First harmonic, the unaspected Mercury I've already talked about, and Mercury conjunct Pluto, um, the ability to transform speech to dialect in this case. Ninth harmonic chart has Mercury conjunct Mars, quick mind, quick wit, uh, quick adaptability with speech, and also Mercury tightly conjunct the North Node. In fact, there's a triple conjunction there with Mercury, Mars, and the North Node all very tightly together. Part of his destiny, the mastery of dialect, is one way you could interpret that. Um, he broke out in a big way. Of course, he, was, he first came to public notice when he played the alien Mork in a 1978 episode of the TV series Happy Days, a big hit at the time. And um, that was so popular, they decided to give him his own spinoff called Mork and Mindy that ran in 1978. And what I'd like to do now is go to the transit chart of that to see what the influences were that catapulted him to fame in that hugely successful show, Mork and Mindy, which I believe was the number three show in its first season on television. Again, all the charts I'm discussing are in the PDF that is at thisweekinastrology.blogspot.com. A lot of support, man. You, if they were, they knew he was the star. They picked. If they were using astrology, they did a good pick here. Okay, transit Pluto, the most powerful of the outer planets that I use, was conjunct Neptune, the planet that rules acting and show business in the twelfth house of acting and show business. Pluto was opposing Jupiter, uh, which rules his second house of income and the fifth house of acting. And Pluto is sextile its own natal position. And again, Pluto is the modern ruler of the whole chart because we got Scorpio rising. Pluto also rules wealth. And I'm sure he made no small amount of money uh, from Mork and Mindy. 
Also, Neptune was square the nodal axis. Neptune, the ruler of acting, uh, lining up very powerfully with his destiny axis. Um, Uranus, trine the north node. Uh, breakthrough energy is what Uranus gives. Uranus also quincunx Jupiter and trine Mars, the ancient ascendant ruler. Again, the quincunx to Jupiter. Jupiter, again, is ruling his second house of earned income and the fifth house of dramatic performance. Um, those are the stage setters, the outer planets, but we had quicker timers, too. Uh, when this episode premiered on September 14, 1978, that's the chart I'm using, Jupiter was just past conjunction to the sun, about three degrees off, and it was less than six degrees from conjunction to the midheaven. Uh, Jupiter hitting the midheaven every 12 years is always a classically good time for career stuff. And Jupiter is very tightly squaring the ascendant, that first impression point. So Jupiter making all sorts of great aspects. Mars itself is just uh, about four degrees shy of the ascendant. Mars is squaring the sun quite tightly. And even Venus um, is early in the first house, the planet of the artist, and Venus is very tightly square the midheaven. So no shortage of awesome aspects to um, Robin's uh, premiere as Mork on the Mork and Mindy show. And note here, some of these are hard aspects, but uh, if you've got a nice balance, the hard aspects can just add energy and good things to a good chart. Of course, Robin Williams is best known for his film career. His first movie, Can I Do It Till I Need Glasses, we wouldn't say was a huge hit. But next up, he did Good Morning Vietnam, which earned him an Academy Award nomination. And um, this was a very powerful chart as well. So let's take a look at what were the uh, first harmonic chart factors that made Good Morning Vietnam a hit. I'm using its wide release date of January 15, 1988. Once again, what's Pluto up to? Okay, Pluto, again, remember the the modern ascendant ruler is trine Mars, the ancient ascendant ruler. Lovely flowing connection between two planets that are very much about visibility. Pluto is trine the north node, uh, visibility joining with destiny, and of course Pluto's naked meaning of power and transformation of career. Pluto quincunx Jupiter, uh, making the adjustment by making the movie. Again, uh, Jupiter ruling his second house of money, fifth house of acting. And Pluto is sextile Venus, the planet of the artist, who also happens to rule his 12th house. Again, all this is in the Porphyry house system on first harmonic chart. And uh, 12th house, of course, is the house of acting. So nice Pluto aspects. Neptune, the actual ruler of acting, is awesome too. It's sextile the moon, which is the public in a famous person's chart. Uh, Neptune is opposing Mars, the ancient ascendant ruler, and Neptune is trying Venus, again, planet of the artist and ruler of his 12th house of acting. Um, we've also got um, Saturn and Uranus conjunct in the sky right now, here in 1988, and they are conjunct Chiron. And normally you think Chiron wounding and healing, but as I've noted over and over again, I keep remembering the Magi astrologers, that little subset, really see Chiron as a big success indicator and to have uh, two powerful planets, Saturn and Uranus, conjunct on it when he has this film breakthrough role is no small coincidence, I don't think. Um, Saturn and Uranus by transit are also square his natal Saturn. Uh, that could be, um, you know, Saturn squares are times of um, often challenge, but they can also be breakthrough when you've been working hard. And Uranus square Saturn could be a revolution of his existing structure, which is clearly in evidence here. 
And then quicker planets, Jupiter, Trine, Mercury in the 10th. That's a career indicator. Uh, Mercury also is the ruler of his 8th house of great wealth and power. And his 11th house ruler, um, which is the house of the audience. And then finally, Venus by Trine was Trine, his ascendant. Again, the planet of the artist and his uh, 12th house film ruler uh, connecting to the visible ascendant. So nice aspects also on Good Morning Vietnam. We'll be right back with the rest of my astrological tribute to Robin Williams. How much valuable astrological information can you get for just $15? Far more than you might expect, thanks to the Time Passages Natal Report. This is by far the best natal computer report I've ever seen. It provides an extraordinary depth of interpretation with a consistently positive tone. A computer report can never replace a human astrologer, but the Time Passages Natal Report will provide you with a wealth of insights into your natal chart. It can also serve as a great introduction to astrology or help anyone understand themselves better. I was amazed at how much I learned about myself from its insightful interpretations. The Time Passages Natal Report also makes a unique and affordable gift for all occasions. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose Computer Reports from the drop-down menu. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. How much valuable astrological information can you get for just $15? Order your risk-free Time Passages Natal Report and find out. I don't want to bury you in event charts, so I'm just going to do one more event chart other than the chart for his death, and that is for the movie for, he actually, for which he actually won an Academy Award, Goodwill Hunting. And uh, this is for the movie's wide release date of December 5, 1997. And wow, this is a powerful uh, transit chart as well. We've got Pluto trying the midheaven. Wow. Pluto, wealth and power and success, uh, making an easy connection to the point of career. Pluto is also square his moon. Wow, the public, empowered by Pluto intensely. Uh, Neptune is opposing his sun. What more could an actor ask for to have the planet ruling film, making a once-in-a-lifetime opposition to the core of who he is? What an amazing transit to do a film release under. Neptune's also semi-square his North Node, his film Destiny, a film for which he would be widely remembered. And another incredible aspect, Uranus is opposing his Midheaven. Wow! This is the most powerful transit chart we have seen of any of his releases. So Uranus breakthrough, and I think winning an Academy Award could very comfortably be called a breakthrough. He won the Best Supporting Actor for Goodwill Hunting. Uh, remember Chiron as success indicator? Well, Chiron trine Mars, the ancient ascendant ruler. Chiron sextile Venus, the planet of money. And again, ruler of his second house of earned income and fifth house of acting. And Chiron trine the North Node too. Uh, success in what his destiny is for. Um, just to show you that Saturn doesn't always have to be a bad guy, transit Saturn is right on that natal T-square. Uh, at this point during the release, Saturn is very tightly conjunct natal Jupiter. And if that's part of the T-square, that means it's also opposing Neptune and squaring Uranus and Mars. So there's Saturn uh, rewarding all of his hard work and effort. Saturn tends to reward you when you've been putting in the sweat equity. He mainly challenges you when you've gotten off track or you've been lazy. And Robin Williams is anything but that. Um, in terms of quick timers, we got Jupiter opposing Pluto, the modern chart ruler, another auspicious aspect. 
Uh, just a little uh, to sew it up, uh, transit Mars was Quincunx, Pluto, and Mercury, uh, the midpoint between them, actually. So there's a, a transiting stimulator of the modern career ruler in the planet of communicating, uh, both 10th house planets of career. And the transiting sun was even square the nodal axis, uh, his destiny. So an amazing and very, very powerful set of aspects for the release of Goodwill Hunting, again, the film for which Robin Williams won his only Academy Award. The next Wikipedia reference I want to jump on is a reference for him being known for his improvisational skills and impersonations. Uh, his performances frequently involved impromptu humor designed and delivered in a rapid-fire succession while on stage. In fact, in the Aladdin movie, most of his dialogue as the genie was improvised. The animators had to accommodate him instead of him accommodating them. Uh, in fact, I uh, just last night was reading some of the online stuff, and a uh, film critic, I believe, in The New Yorker talked about how he felt of all his films, Aladdin was probably the most true to his personality because all his other roles required him to adapt to the role. In Aladdin, uh, the movie had to adapt to him because he would just riff and they would animate the best bits. So uh, I'm not going to do Aladdin as a chart, but I do want to uh, support his improvisational skills in the natal charts. First harmonic chart, uh, Mars conjunct Uranus. Boy, is that an obvious one. Uranus rules improvisation because it's the unexpected and the outside the box. And again, Mars is adding energy to it and drive and passion. And of course, Mars is also his ancient chart ruler with Scorpio rising. Uranus also trines the moon. That could be his uh, improvisation. Uranus reaching the public, the moon, and also uh, you know, a lot of passion in the improvisation. Uranus sextiles Venus. Venus, again, artistry, improvisational artistry. Venus, again, ruling the 12th house of acting. Uh, Uranus is square Jupiter, as you may know by now. Jupiter rules the 5th house of acting. Uranus is square Neptune. Uranus has a lot of aspects here. Neptune, obviously, the ruler of acting as well um, and being on stage in any form. Uranus is also trying his north node. And so there is his destiny tied up with improvisation. And uh, just to give another planet a moment, um, the Mercury, uh, I've already talked about. It's in Leo uh, and unaspected in the 10th. So the unaspected part of it is where it has free reign for improvisation, in my opinion. And the ninth harmonic chart as well has support for improvisation. Uranus, a strong factor there as well. Uranus opposing Venus, sextile Jupiter, squaring the ascendant and trying the midheaven. So uh, no shortage of ninth harmonic support as well for his skills as an improvisationalist. In Robin Williams' personal life, there's a note in the Wikipedia bio that he was an avid enthusiast of video games. In fact, named two of his kids after game characters. Uh, video game, obviously, we're getting to the realm of fantasy here, which is Piscean. And, and Neptune, uh, both those are about fantasy and imagination. And First harmonic chart, we've got the moon in Pisces in the fifth house of play. That's a support. But the ninth harmonic chart supports it way stronger. Ninth house, not forgive me, ninth harmonic chart has the sun in Pisces, the sun and Neptune loosely conjunct in Pisces. Neptune in the ninth harmonic, again, Neptune's an imagination and fantasy role-playing indicator. Neptune uh, sesquiquadrate Mercury, playfulness. Uh, Neptune also sesquiquadrate Mars. And that's nearly exact. And Mars is the passion uh, for role-playing Neptune. 
So plenty of support for his love of video games and fantasy. It says he even liked uh, like paper games. He says as long as he's imagining, uh, he's cool. It doesn't have to be on the computer. Robin Williams was also a great lover of jazz. And if a single planet rules jazz, it would be Uranus um, because it rules improvisation. And, of course, uh, you've already heard me live, give the long litany of Uranus aspects in both charts. Uh, there's a mention of charity work. He did a lot of charity work, especially his stand-up work. And uh, for charity, I'm going to use the asteroid goddess Vesta, because Vesta rules uh, working for a cause beyond yourself. This relates back to the Vestal Virgins of Rome who dedicated themselves to a higher calling. And Robin Williams, as I have already mentioned, has uh, Mars conjunct his Vesta. In fact, he's got a triple conjunction of Vesta, Mars, and Uranus. And so I say Mars, passion, conjunct Vesta, is passion for charitable work. Uh, another planet that has to do with charity is Neptune, because it rules compassion and unconditional love, the love of all, and not just particular things in your sphere. So Neptune square Vesta supports that compassion as well. And in fact, the entire T-square that I mentioned early in this segment, uh, Neptune opposing Jupiter, both planets squaring Uranus, Mars, and Vesta, kind of brings that out. Neptune, the unconditional love and compassion, Mars and Vesta, I've already talked about, and Jupiter expanding the whole thing even bigger. Now we turn to a little more serious subject matter, addiction and health problems. Um, some of the same things that gave him such as genius were also astrologically the indicators of his challenges. There's an old saying, your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness, and that is never more true than in astrology. So addiction is mainly ruled by Neptune and Pisces. Um, on the low side in this context, you can get into drugs or alcohol or escapist behavior. On the high side, the same exact energy, Neptune and Pisces, can give you spiritual connection and creative inspiration. And in this context, um, I don't know if Robin Williams, I know he was an Episcopalian. I, I did not read anything about him being an a extremely spiritual person per se. I don't know that that was a major factor in his life. He seemed very focused on entertainment and family and being a performer. So um, in this case, we had on the challenge side, the uh, ninth harmonic chart. We'll start with that for a change shows the Piscean Sun loosely conjunct Neptune. Uh, we have Neptune sesquiquadrate Mars very tightly. Mars is passion, and on the challenge side, Mars can be impulsive and be like an itch that needs scratching. So Mars making a minor heart aspect to Neptune, uh, addiction or drugs, can be a strong passion for escapism. And I've, I've observed many times in my own client base that um, if you don't have a really strong connection with spirit, uh, very consciously, like feeling it within yourself really powerfully, or if the way you're expressing your creative gifts isn't fully satisfying that Neptunian urge, then that Neptunian urge can move toward drugs or escapism. And it was apparently doing that in Robin Williams' case as well. So we also have Ninth Harmonic Neptune aspecting the North Node, uh, indicating that dealing with Neptune was going to be a challenge. It's a minor heart aspect as part of his destiny. And of course, if Neptune is sesquiquadrate, the north node, that means it's semi-square, the south node too, which is the source of our challenges and difficulties, as well as our great strengths. 
So um, the ninth harmonic chart definitely shows some challenges in that area. The first harmonic chart, the one people normally use as well, um, shows a triple conjunction in Pisces, the moon, the north node, and Ceres. I haven't gotten into Ceres yet, so let me bring her in. Uh, the moon is your emotional needs. In Pisces, the need for escapism, the need for more than the physical world can provide. And Ceres has a number of meanings. In this context, I think self-esteem is probably the most appropriate one. So we might say that one of his life purposes with the North Node in Pisces was to get the Pisces energy in a good way, if he could, and then have his emotional resonance good in Pisces, to have his self-esteem strong. And with this setup, you know, I have found that to have a strong spiritual connection is so helpful for your self-esteem because when you have had the experience of knowing you are the divine, you know, when you identify as pure essence, um, then there are no more self-esteem problems. You know what you are. You're experiencing the absolute peace that is at your core. If, if you don't have that, which most people do not, this is not a specific criticism of Robin Williams in any way. This is the situation most folks are in right now. Uh, when you got that strong Piscean urge, if without that core spirit connection, you can get sucked into things that are more destructive. Of course, the uh, T-square we've referenced uh, more than once here, Neptune opposing Jupiter, and they both square Mars and Uranus. I'll just keep it to those two in this case. Uh, powerful urge for altered states. Jupiter opposed Neptune alone is an expansion of the need for altered states. And the Mars square just makes it more passionate and urgent. So Robin Williams, you know, this chart shows he was not content to live in the 3D world like most people do. He needed that intense realm of imagination and... Um, my own feeling about it is he was so intensely, passionately creative because he had such a powerful need to move into those altered states. And, you know, if he didn't get it sufficiently through his performing, then he sometimes went to it through drugs or alcohol. The Neptune quincunx to Ceres in his first harmonic natal chart also shows, again, the challenge to self-esteem and, and the, the desire to maybe work on that through uh, substances, through Neptune. And even the sextile that's in most people's charts these days, Neptune sextile Pluto, that's called the 100-year sextile. Uh, that sex, the Neptune and Pluto have a 500-year uh, dance with each other, conjunction to conjunction. And for about 100 years, their sextile, he's got it like so many of us do. But again, one way of interpreting that is Pluto, empowerment of the urge for substances, Neptune. The Wikipedia bio says, According to his publicist, Williams suffered from depression. In mid-2014, Williams had admitted himself into the Hazelden Addiction Treatment Center in Lindstrom, Minnesota, for continued sobriety treatment related to his alcoholism. So let's look at depression. This is a theme where the ninth harmonic chart becomes particularly interesting because most people, his public, had no clue he had any kind of problem with depression. They would have had the exact opposite impression. So the ninth harmonic chart, the internal world, versus the first harmonic external is very interesting in this case. Not to say that the first harmonic chart has nothing about depression. It does. Uh, although it's subtle. Uh, Saturn sextile the sun. Uh, Saturn is the classical ruler of depression. Um, but you wouldn't expect a sextile to really do that. That would tend to be a more supportive aspect in most cases. One clue is there is a very tight, almost exact square between Saturn and Chiron natally. 
and uh, Chiron is wounding and Saturn is depression. So that could certainly fire things up. Although again, not a huge amount of support here because neither of these planets is an angle ruler and there's no personal planets involved. Um, the broad variety of Neptune aspects and Pisces placements we've discussed already um, aren't exactly depression, but they are they can be lethargy and sluggishness and lack of motivation, which certainly can be associated with depression. But the first harmonic chart doesn't really show, you know, the obvious depression indicators that we would expect. But we get them in spades when we go to the ninth harmonic chart, the internal world of Robin Williams. Uh, there is a tight opposition between the sun and Saturn in the ninth harmonic chart, a classic depression indicator. The sun, the core of who you are, Saturn depression. Saturn is also loosely conjunct his Moon-Pluto conjunction. Moon-Pluto itself could be problematical. Pluto takes you deep into the depths and takes you into all that intense, unprocessed psychological material. And with a Moon-Pluto, I'm guessing he was doing that a lot. And if you don't have good coping skills to deal with that, it can depress you, for sure. And to have a loose Saturn conjunction to that Moon-Pluto conjunction uh, could be psychologically problematical. Um, he's also got a Saturn Chiron square in the ninth harmonic chart to have something in both charts is a really big indicator. This is really important. So again, wounding in this case, psychological and emotional wounding from the stern taskmaster Saturn. Obviously in his death, mental health is a factor and he was struggling with depression and such. So Robin Williams was struggling with mental health through much of his life. In the first harmonic chart, all those Uranus aspects, one of the uh, most challenging aspects of Uranus on the dark side is insanity, mental instability. Again, the same thing that gave him his incredible genius was also challenging him at the core, the, that instability of the mind. So all the Uranus aspects that I've already enumerated um, would be contributors to that. And in the ninth harmonic chart, uh, Mercury, the mind specifically, um, is uh, sesquiquadrate Neptune, again, fuzzy or dissolution of mind. Mercury is also a uh, semi-sextile Pluto, you know, challenge of the mind uh, in, a, in a big transformative way. So again, I want to be super clear. Uh, we can't really discuss Robin Williams thoroughly in this context after his suicide death without discussing mental health and illness. I mean, no disrespect to the man. I hugely enjoyed his output. I've seen just about all his movies and love his work. So it is uh, only in the sense of complete analysis from an astrological perspective that I bring up these more challenging things. And I certainly mean the man no disrespect. The goal here is so um, if you or someone you know is having a similar issue, maybe you can see, oh, these are some of the astrological pointers we can look at, and maybe um, this can help. In a sense, um, this is a perfect segue into his death chart. Um, and one thing I want to bring out right away, he died with transit Jupiter about to conjunct his midheaven. <laughs> I mean, just uh, barely over a degree away. So he went out with a bang. I mean, the play on his death in the days since has been huge. It's a story with legs, as they would say. And um, one serve, you know, throughout his life, he served us by entertaining us and making us laugh and making us cry and making us feel deeply. And he's serving us one last time with his death by bringing the spotlight to mental health and the problems associated with that. So to push his foot around the issue would really not serve the service he's doing uh, with his final act, in my opinion. So let's look at the death chart. 
uh, a very powerful death chart, um, a lot of astrological indicators. We first look at Pluto, who uh, now will bring out a new way of looking at Pluto, the modern ruler of death, death and transformation. And of course, if you've had deep spiritual experience in yourself, you know that death is not an ending, it's a transition. You are pure awareness and the physical body dying is just consciousness shifting from a physical modality back into a more energetic one. So uh, that which Robin is has not died, that which any of us are cannot die at all. It's just a transition phase. But in terms of physical death, here's Pluto opposing his Mars-Uranus conjunction very tightly. Uh, the most meaningful way to look at this is Pluto opposing Mars, the ancient chart ruler. The chart ruler can act sort of like a sun, a sense of identity. So there's death. Uh, and again, Mars-Uranus you know, rules things that are unexpected, just like his improvisational humor. In the same way, Pluto opposing the Mars-Uranus conjunction is the unexpected, shocking death. Uh, of course, we know about that T-square. And uh, while Pluto isn't so much working Neptune, it is working Jupiter. So Pluto square Jupiter um, in the sixth house of health. Uh, Pluto challenging a sixth house health planet obviously correlates to this. Um, Pluto is quintiling the ascendant right now, again, bringing that visibility to what he's done. And in terms of this serving part of his life purpose, to bring awareness to uh, mental illness and addiction issues, Pluto sextiling the North Node and trining the South Node, highlighting his own issue and bringing it into public spotlight for educational help for others. Whether he intended this or not, I have no idea. All I'm noticing is the actual effect of it. Um, so uh, one, one of the, it wasn't in Wikipedia, but in my online research on the uh, articles of his death, uh, his wife, I believe, said he was suffering from anxiety before his suicide. And one of the ways Uranus plays on the low side is anxiety. Pluto had been opposing Uranus for a couple of years. And um, uh, Pluto opposition to Uranus can be an anxiety manifester, again, if the high side ways of using Uranus are not manifested. And just for your information, those would be being your unique original self. Apparently, he had no problem with that. But following your intuitive flashes um, might be one way. I have no idea how how adept he was at getting his intuitive flashes and following them, but that would have been a great way to use that Uranus that might have lessened the anxiety somewhat. I have a lot of clients who tell me that when they do that, their anxiety level does drop. Uh, let's go to another transiting planet. Neptune conjunct his moon. Wow. Uh, in the challenge way, which is the light in which we have to look at it because this was what precipitated his suicide, uh, Neptune can be a sense of drifting and aimlessness and directionless. And here's the moon, his core emotional nature. So that clearly was exacerbated. He saw no way forward. So he ended, um, Uranus, uh, more subtle aspects. Uranus was square his Vesta. Uh, ironically, this might be an indication of a shocking act being his last great service beyond himself. Again, bringing attention to uh, the mental illness and the substance abuse issues uh, through the very act of his death. And transit Uranus opposing Neptune. I would do that a uh, sudden transition to a state of oneness. We had other things as well. Transit Chiron is almost exactly on his series. Actually, later that day, the conjunction was exact on the day of his death, which, by the way, I should give you. It's August 11, 2014. I ran the chart for 1.45 p.m. Central Daylight Time um, because he's born in Chicago, Illinois. 
Um, so Chiron on Ceres, there's wounding. Uh, remember, Ceres self-esteem, Chiron wounding, the ultimate wounding to himself, um, uh, exacerbated by a sense of extremely low self-esteem in that moment. Um, Chiron, the wounder, is also conjunct the North Node, uh, wounding, uh, again, part of the final life purpose mission to bring attention to the issues. Um, Chiron, uh, quadrate the Ascendant, a very visible death. And uh, again, the visibility, Chiron, also Quincunx, Natal, Pluto, the modern chart ruler. Uh, Chiron's visible all the way around. Additionally, we had Saturn square Pluto by transit. And again, Pluto, the modern chart ruler, Saturn, the ancient ruler of death. And Saturn square Pluto, by its very nature, is a very challenging aspect for most people, um, bringing the two death planets together. There's either going to be a physical death or, more commonly for most people, a, uh, a metaphorical death, a psychological death, some part of you dying that no longer needs to be there so that you can emerge uh, like the phoenix from the ashes. And finally, the, the uh, trigger that I led with, Jupiter uh, practically on top of the midheaven, um, barely more than a degree away, plenty close to activate that, a very public event. Um, so those are the, tr the things I looked at around his death chart, uh, very powerful transits. Uh, just on a technical note, um, there was so much evidence in the transit charts, I decided not to go into the secondary progress charts and the solar arc charts because the transit charts gave us more than enough information to support the points. So although we're ending here on a rather heavy note, um, let's not forget what Robin Williams gave us during his life. Uh, what a fountain of joy and brilliance and improvisation and joy and just so much awesome, wonderful energy. Uh, he did so many beautiful things with his charitable work. He gave so much pleasure to so many people. One of the biggest movie stars ever spreading his joy and compassion and love um, to benefit so many. So... God bless you, Robin Williams, wherever you are, whatever you've now become. Thank you for the beautiful service you've done, both uh, in the amazing work throughout your life and in the other service you have given us by raising important issues in the manner of your death. Thank you, Robin Williams. And this ends our celebrity chart interpretation. I offer three main services at Astro Shaman, Astrology, Shamanic Healing, and Awakening Activation. All are equally effective in person or long distance. Choose one or combine two or more services during your session. Astrology offers insights into soul purpose, career, relationships, spirituality, timing, relocation, and much more. In Awakening Activation sessions, I help you immerse into your own awakened state using simple, powerful invocations, then teach you how to refresh it on your own. Shamanic healing can reduce or eliminate physical, emotional, or mental issues, and usually results in significantly enhanced divine consciousness. I also offer electional astrology to help you pick the perfect date and time for any important event. And be sure to check out my free services page, where you can load up on free forecasts, podcasts, invocations, and music. Sliding scale payment is available by request. You can get a 20% discount during your birthday month, and gift certificates are always available. I work with clients all around the world by phone and Skype. You get a free digital recording of your session, and I accept PayPal and all major credit cards. Finally, my guarantee makes it risk-free. If you don't feel that your experience was helpful, it's free. For more information or to set an appointment, visit astroshaman.com. 
email info at astroshaman.com or call 828-338-9852. I love my work and I look forward to helping you. As we close, let me remind you once again that I am doing a 30% off special through this Monday, August 18th, uh, at the end, by the end of the day, like midnight, that Monday night. So if you would like to save 30%, uh, even if you don't want to do the session right away, you have until the end of 2015 to do it, uh, just go to astroshaman.com, look on the homepage, What's New Area, where there is a little announcement about it, and click in for all the details. So I uh, would love to work with you. And I would love to have you save that much money on my sessions. If you enjoy This Week in Astrology, please tell a friend or post or tweet about us or donate to support us at thisweekinastrology.com. You can link to our Facebook page and Twitter feed where I post daily forecasts from thisweekinastrology.com and astroshaman.com. You can listen to This Week in Astrology on your smartphone or tablet at stitcher.com. And if you're an iTunes listener, please do subscribe through iTunes and help us maintain our standing as the number one astrology podcast on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, I wish you infinite blessings as the stars light your way. Got to be good looking This Week in Astrology is copyright 2014 by Astro Shaman. All rights reserved, although enthusiastic sharing is encouraged. You can access our free comprehensive audio archive from thisweekinastrology.com. If you'd like me to illustrate the weekly forecast with your chart, please send me your date, time, and city of birth. This also gives you a chance to win a free session with me every time the seasons change. I welcome your personal questions for my live listener consultation segments. I also welcome your general astrology questions and feedback. Just email info at astroshaman.com. I look forward to making you a part of This Week in Astrology.
Here's this week's index. The overview begins at 1 minute 38 seconds. Monday, 2.33. Tuesday, 4.51. Wednesday, 5.14. Thursday, 7.12. Friday, 8.40. Saturday, 10.24. Sunday, 12.43. Next week's transits, 15.26. Announcements, 17.30. And my astro tribute to Robin Williams begins at 22.43. Thank you so much for listening to This Week in Astrology. This is Mark, signing off until next week. Nanu, Nanu!